Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Yeah. You mentioned that you kind of help people get their portfolio set up. What do you kind of often recommend for first-time investors, first-time landlords? How does that conversation go? A lot of times it's be purposeful. Um, that's actually the thing I was just talking about, like being single on purpose kind of thing. Um, being purposeful as a landlord is huge. I don't recommend taking your first house and turning it to a rental. You're emotionally connected to your house. Mm. And the first time you place somebody in there, they do not teach it, take care of it the same way that you will. <clears throat> So you're going to get butt hurt when you go there and see that the grass is like six feet tall and like they've drilled new holes in your wall or whatever, whatever it's going to be. Sure. Um, you're going to get a, you're going to get an emotional reaction when you go back and see your house that you put your heart and soul into mm. be treated quite bad. So I, that's a huge thing is that I, I do say be very purposeful and you also have to have a goal here. Like, do you want cash flow? Do you want equity? Do you want um, passive income? Do you want active income? The more specific you are, the better I can help. Mm. Um, and that's the first thing that I take somebody through the first time. Okay. Welcome to episode 20 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon realtor and I'm also a multifamily investor and a short-term rental investor. Hey everyone, I'm your co-host Jordan Lee and I'm a mortgage lender based in Portland, Oregon, licensed in about 10 states and uh, I also invest in single-family homes. Super excited about the episode this week. We interview Justin Green and he's got a great story. You know, he talks about his career change oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, into real estate and then eventually becoming a very successful and goal-oriented real estate investor. Real estate investor, realtor, mm -hmm. um, kind of how he built his business up. You know, some of the challenges he went through and, uh, you know, obviously at the end of the day talking about his his financial goals, what his fire goal looks like. So that is pretty great. Yeah, if you want to get motivated to set some goals, tune in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Realize Gains podcast. My name is Jordan Lee, and I'm a mortgage lender based in Portland, Oregon, licensed in about 10 states. And I am your co-host, Stephen Tran. Uh, I'm an Oregon realtor, and I'm a multifamily investor, and we're here with Justin Green. Hey, Hello. Justin. Hi. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show, Justin. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, real quick for our guests, do you want to kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, you know, how and why you got into real estate? Okay. Yeah. So I'm Justin Green. Uh, about a decade ago was when I entered real estate. Um, so before that, I went to college, got a computer degree, and I ended up working, uh, going towards tech, mm. and um, I, well, tech degree, and touched a computer until I was in college. It's <laughs> the first time I ripped a computer apart. But uh, I landed a job actually building movie theaters. So Building? Oh, that's right. Building, yeah. building movie theaters, yeah. So like, like the actual construction of movie theaters? Yeah, yeah. So every movie theater that you've been in, I've probably set up. And Yes. You got this from getting a, a, a tech, tech degree. degree. Yes. Okay. How did how did that work out? So the movie theater is very mechanical from like the 1900s, 1930s uh, film and gears and stuff. So I had a good mechanical background because I was a um, ASE mechanic guy working on cars, mm -hmm. uh, and that was my high school <clears throat> passion, uh, fixing up you know old muscle cars and stuff. Um, and then uh, I was like, I need to learn computers. The mechanic trade's not going to pay very much, and. Uh, the movie theater, I did a work interview um, during college, and I needed to know somebody who worked in the tech field. And this, um, actually, my daughter's mom's brother uh, worked at this little tiny company. And he's like, yeah, we use oscilloscopes and spectrum analyzers and RTAs. And like he helped me understand all the technical equipment of professional sound. Okay. Wow. Professional sound and professional light. So that was super awesome to learn. And when I was graduating, um, digital cinema was just making a, just making like super, um, what do you call it? Cutting edge technology and, um, mm -hmm. ended up, uh, they needed somebody who was knew how to do computers 
and mechanical knowledge. So I ended up as the college kid uh, landing this job. And um, the first job was, um, it was like two weeks short of graduation. It was in um, uh, Pacific Island, um, Ponape or Majuro or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was, they wanted me to go out, out there and do my first job out there as a working interview. And I was like, I got two weeks to graduate. So um, <laughs> I wanted to graduate and then I had to like wait and stuff. But uh, yeah, I ended up taking the, the technical side of the, of the company and uh, mainly converting uh, all of the cinemas in America and outside of America from um, mechanical film that was used for 100 years to digital cinema, which was all cutting edge stuff. So digital cinema is all servers and hard drives oh, and yeah. 3D stuff. And then all the, and sound evolved as well with like Dolby Atmos and 5.1 and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so the easiest thing I relate it to is professional sound and uh, professional light. And then the last few years I've done a lot of film festivals and uh, I started like helping with like the live sound to learn that. Mm -hmm. So live sound, what is live sound? Concerts. Concerts. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah so technology? That I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so that was all like, I guess that's my long, uh, my beginning trade was, I was doing that, right? So I was flipping all these movie theaters. Uh, so as a movie theater would have to spend like $100,000 on all these upgrades. Yeah. Um, I would go in and take out the film equipment and do it all over the United States and some a lot of times outside of the United States. And uh, I'd take out all the film equipment. It'd take me a week per screen or so. And then got down to doing it a day per screen. Um, so if I had eight plex over in like Maine, um, I'd be out there for two weeks. Okay. And and uh, during the time during the day that I'm working, um, I'm listening to podcasts and audiobooks mm. about entrepreneurship. And um, I had always looked said that I wanted to buy uh, a rental house. Mm. I always I I grew up um, so in, in in that section with the movie theater stuff. I'm educating myself on like entrepreneurship and real estate. And a lot of the theater owners that I'm meeting happen to own other real estate. So I'm mm. having lunch with them and they're telling These me. These like, guys are all like small business owners. Yeah, HC all, theater yeah. kind of independently owned. Exactly. Yeah. So we didn't work for too many big chains. We worked right. for a lot of mom and pop theaters. So I'm in there renovating. I'm the right. contractor basically takes all the film equipment out and I put in all the digital cinema stuff. And then I do all of my pro sound stuff and tuning and make it beautiful and um, there's very good set of specs. I got trained by like Dolby and, um, a lot of the big name cinema companies and go and get trained and set stuff to the exact light and the exact sound. Uh, but these, these theater owners were I'm making friends with all over mm -hmm. the country. And, uh, I'm, I'm learning, I'm really grateful for this job because I learned a lot on how to travel, um, all the time with just a backpack and learning about small businesses. And these guys are buying rental houses and I'm like, Oh, Man, that's cool. I, I, I always want to do that. Um, and so first thing I did was I bought my own house. Okay. And, like your own primary? My own primary, mm -hmm. yeah. Where and, was that at? In Hillsborough. Oh, great. So I was uh, back in the day in Ninja Loans. So, you know, Ninja mm -hmm. Loans. Uh, no asset, no, no job, right? Yeah, no job, <laughs> no asset, no income or whatever. You just make it yeah. up. Uh, I think I was making 12 bucks an hour. Well, doing this flying around the country, yeah, at thing, first, twelve dollars an hour. Yeah, at first, yeah, it was that was like my first. I, I had a better wage. They they paid me well at at the end, okay. but it ramped up, right? Um, but when I bought the house, it was twelve dollars an hour, and uh, and I went in and I showed them my paycheck, and I got a little newborn girl too, and I'm like, can I buy a house? And the mortgage lady's like, just spend like one hundred fifty thousand, stay under that, you'll be all right. So, but yeah, for about a decade, I educated myself on, on the movie theaters. I met with the small business owners. They inspired me to own more real estate. I wanted to get a real estate license for a long time. And I knew that real estate was the path to my own net worth and retiring early and not having, since I was already working in a small company, mm. we had started with three people and we grew that company, grew up to like 15 people or so. Okay. Um, and the last few years there, about a decade ago, my daughter is getting to be about 10. I'm uh, getting tired of traveling, yeah. traveling all over and missing a lot of her um, childhood mm -hmm. and, uh, and educating myself with all these small business guys. And you know, one, of, one of the really good guys actually uh, became pretty good friends with the guy in, um, in uh, Maine, uh, Rick. And uh, he, was, he was a big inspiration because he ended up – as a movie theater, running, renting the movie theater out of this little small little strip mall, and then he bought the whole strip mall. Right. Wow. 
And then he sold the whole strip mall later and leased his own movie theater back. <laughs> so, and he made like a lot of money in that deal and told me all about it. Interesting. Which, which was super, yeah. super cool. Um, and I also got the skills of taking these dumpy little movie theaters and making them beautiful. So I'm doing renovations too. I'm like, I could do this in a house. How do I do that? I'm, I'm earning good money. I want to get real estate licensed. Uh, I drove by the Oregon real estate school on highway 26 every time that I was um, going to work from Hillsboro to North Portland. And I always drove by that building and I'm like, I need to go to real estate school. Uh, for a long time. And um, yeah, then, then I got licensed and became like a broker, but my but home, you didn't go to the school. I did go to that. Oh, school. you did yeah. go to that yeah, school. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. Uh, what happened was, uh, yeah, my daughter's getting older. My uh, father-in-law also um, inspired me to get into real estate as well. He was a, a attorney and a very smart guy. And he had sat me down one time. He's like, do you want to earn uh, 10%? The market's going to go up. Do you want to earn 10% of your little house or do you want to move up and earn 10% of a big house that you guys are going to grow into? And I responded back to him that I want to earn 10% of both houses. <laughs> <laughs> and so he proceeded to tell me all his horror stories about being a landlord. Um, of course. He didn't like it as much, but it was good. Um, he was really smart and we had really good conversations in it. Um, by the end of our, I, I'm not married anymore. And uh, by the end of the time that I was ending that marriage, he was actually ready to invest with me in some of my um, real estate entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, there you go. Stuff. So yeah, uh, I went into real estate like a decade ago, um, and uh, and my whole goal was to buy rental houses. Yeah, that was mine yeah. too. <laughs> and I, I did a ton of like regular business, and and I fi eventually figured out like every twenty something houses that I closed was a down payment for a rental house. Mm. Yeah. So, um, were you doing the movie theater in overlap with yeah. this? Yeah. For how long? Uh, it lasted two, maybe three years. Um, I was working both jobs. What happened was the movie theater company was, the owner was wanting to retire. So mm -hmm. he wanted to step away. Um, I was also, I was, I started that job at 23. So I'm like turning in, into my thirties. My father-in-law said, buy the company. And, um, and, uh, he actually helped me form a business plan and a leverage buyout structure for the company. And the owner I would travel with sometimes, and he was a great guy, taught me a ton of stuff. And he also the whole time is pitching in my ear about buying real estate. Yeah. Like he bought commercial real estate. And uh, mm -hmm. he bought, I remember a story he told me he bought this RV and then he needed somewhere to store it. So he just bought this huge business over in North Portland <laughs> and took half of it to park his RV in it. <laughs> and then it became like a satellite shop for our speakers and stuff like that too. Mm. Um, so he also was a big influence for real estate uh, and he started buying rentals. And um, so uh, during that time, he's trying to phase out. It was two, three years. He's trying to phase out. I'm trying to buy the company. I'm pretty, I mean, younger guy, right? He offers the whole company, only me and the one lady, uh, the assistant, um, we're stepping up to buy the company out of the 15 mm. people. He opened it up to everybody. Um, and then when that happened, her and I started butting heads. I see the writing on the wall that this is going to end up one of two ways. It's going to end up with me buying the company and running it and doing the best that I can. And, or it's going to end up with her buying the company. And as soon as she had the power and authority, she, I was out in the field doing all the jobs. Yep. She's um, at the desk counting all the numbers. So, we have crews working all over the country and I'm, I'm project managing a lot of these big jobs. So when we build like huge multiplexes, of course there's going to be a return trip and maybe some guy forgot to wire a speaker horn tweeter or something. We got to fly out there, cost a couple hundred bucks. So, you know, there was a lot of my mistakes that were brought to light that weren't necessarily even my mistakes, but I was responsible for the whole construction side of that company. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there was a lot of budding aheads. Um, and when I got licensed in real estate and wanted to get active, I started like having fun with it. It was awesome. It was really, it was what I wanted. It was my passion for a long time. And, uh, I started, um, closing more and more deals. And, and uh, eventually I was working. I remember I'd be driving into work. If I worked in town, um, I have to be at the office at eight 30, but yeah. some of my lenders that I worked with were early birds. So we'd get up and start talking like seven in the morning, mm -hmm. get an hour, hour and a half of what deals are going and figuring out with talking with my early title people and early lender people. 
And then I was licensed, and I remember I had one personal, one principal broker that stayed late at the office. So I would go at five and go into the office, and I would work with him and get some mentorship and some training for him, especially on deals that I was in. And I'd pop in, and um, he's a uh, he's really great. Uh, he owns a local brokerage now that's pretty big, um, and uh, he was he was super helpful because um, all my off hours, right? I was working. Before I would go to the job like seven, eight in the morning, I'd work at lunchtime and then I'd work at nighttime. And, uh, eventually I started showing houses like in my lunch breaks. <laughs> if it was in North Portland, <laughs> yeah, if it was in North Portland, I'm showing houses on my lunch breaks and, uh, real estate was becoming a full-time job by about the second year. And my other full-time job was traveling and I'm trying to like, I'm working from hotel rooms a lot of times Yeah, calling, I go do my open house and meet a bunch of people and then follow up with them all week during at night at the, I'm at the hotel like yep. setting up next weekend for all my showings and stuff. So I start and I'm working like two full-time jobs the second year. And, uh, that's when, you know, uh, like it wasn't, I would, my, my, uh, plan was to save up enough money. I had taken a 401k loan to buy my, um, next size up house on my own. Oh, program. so you're just upgrading? Did you? Yeah, I just upgraded, so I want ten percent of both those houses. Oh, you, okay. See, so yeah. Okay. So I wanted I wanted two houses, and I turned the first one into the rental, and I had this four hundred one k loan that was like fifty grand. And as soon as you leave a company, you have to pay that within thirty days, right? Oh wow. So well, I'm still paying mine off. <laughs> it's been like six months. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Depends on, I think it depends on your four. Yeah, it probably provider. depends on the provider. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was under this gun of like, okay, I need to save up 50 grand. If I have 50 grand saved up from from uh, all my activities, the real estate stuff, I could leave and pay that off and, yeah. and seamlessly move over into full-time real estate. It didn't happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, like I remember it was January and I was showing houses on my lunch break and I'm pretty sure that... Uh, the owner had driven by and saw my car outside of a house with real estate sign on it. Right. It was just down the road. And, um, and I, wa I remember like grabbing that door handle over the door and I was like, this is the last time I'm walking in this building. And it was, and I had to make a choice. He, he was like, come, you need to make the choice of either, uh, do that real estate thing you're, you've been thinking of or stay. I've made the decision to sell the company to her. And I'm like, there's no choice. As soon as she has the authority, I'm out. There's yeah. the only reason I'm still at this job is because him and I were really good and we worked together, um, several times for over a decade. But yeah, it was kind of, for it was forced, right? So were, the whole time you're basically kind of a secret agent, like they didn't know you had your license. They did. They yeah. Knew, but they knew, but I was like, my priority was to the company okay. and traveling mm. and I'm working and I'm wiring up massive sound racks of amplifiers and stuff. And during that I could listen to podcasts or I can listen to audiobooks. Yeah. Or I could like be negotiating clients and calling deals and stuff. So there's some of that time that I did. Um I'd be in a deal. And yeah, so it was uh it was it was earlier than than uh I wanted. But I went to his retirement party and the first thing I did is shake his hand and say, you know, thank you for firing me. It was the best thing that ever happened. That's awesome. <laughs> Not the best thing that ever happened, but I mean <laughs> My daughter being more is probably the best thing that ever happened. But uh, yeah, it was it was a it was an uncomfortable kick in the butt to go out and go mm. work on that dream. Yeah, and and then from then on, I just like put on the gas and I didn't let up for I didn't let up until probably this year. Well, when was when did that happen? What year was that? Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen, and you okay. just got your first basically your your, your upgrade of a house and you're renting your old house. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, moved into the new house. It was like. It was relatively fresh during that time. Yeah, moving into the new house and having my first rental. Yeah. Okay. So you're pushed off the ledge. Yeah. Uh, what happens like right then and there? What do you What do you decide with your business or how you're going to succeed? Because you have no income. Yeah, and, I, and you have one property that you got to pay. Now you have to pay two mortgages. Yeah, yeah, and I was, uh, um, yeah, it was definitely a fire in the pants. I was the breadwinner for the family too because yeah. when I was married, my wife was like in school. Uh, for, um, so she's not earning a, a big income. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just, I just put my foot on the gas and I remember I was picking up the phone and calling every client that I had met at open houses. And I started just working a lot of regular retail clients, like buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was doing, I, I did good in full-time real estate. I was like rookie of the year, the, for the first year. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I just kept on that for a long time. And, uh, and my whole MO that I built, that I did in the beginning was like open houses. Um, 
I do one weekend open houses and then I do uh, two to three buyer tours the next day, two to three clients. Right. And then with buyer tours, then you, you do, you line everything up, do three, four houses and stuff. So yeah, you go from house to house, but yeah, it, it, it just, it put a huge, uh, a huge pressure on me to like, uh, put as much effort into this as I could. I had, I had no choice. Right? Yeah. It was, it was, if, if I were to fail, it would be a pretty big, pretty big, uh, loss. And I had to earn, uh, I had to really earn quickly pay off that $50,000 that I didn't have. You said 30 days, right? Yeah. I had 30 days, <laughs> something like that. It was so really you, fast. Were you, you were close. So I was close. I was okay. close. And I robbed, uh, I, 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 robbed like, no, no, I robbed Peter to pay Paul is what happens. Okay. I've learned yeah. in real estate investing. You have to do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to take like some money that you got over here and pay it over here and then replace it over here. Yep. Um, so yeah. No, that's that's amazing. So, and do you find yourself like working with a lot of investors now, or yeah. is that sort of your niche, or what what where, what has happened to your business in the meantime? Yeah, so over like the last ten years, I've built up a real good client base, and I love my repeat and referral clients. Like mm-hmm. once you've earned trust with uh with somebody, and as I've been the whole time doing the active real estate, I've also been building my rental portfolio. Right. And so with the guy, I have a lot of clients that I've mentored to become landlords and mentored to invest in real estate. And it's, it's totally different when I'm with a buyer and I'm saying, I'm buying, I'm not buying your deal, but I'm buying, I'm personally buying right now. Yep. Right. So that's, and I'm like a lot of people have come to me and want to be a first time landlord and I'll take them all the way through like what it's like. And, and uh, I do say having one rental, I always tell everybody my advice is one rental is miserable. <laughs> it's not fun to do one rental. You, you do need to have a couple because you, it's the couple hundred dollars a month you make on one rental is not really worth the amount of hassle yeah, exactly. you have to go through. So you got to scale it up for sure. You do. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I've mentioned this that I met you at a uh, real estate investing event. Yeah. So seems like you do a lot of those. Is that like your. Yeah. Mike, Mike and Tyler were, um, I met Mike like back in like 2013 or 2014 or yeah. so when he's first starting the Rayburn thing. And, uh, um, yeah, we met on bigger pockets. Oh yeah. <laughs> we messaged each other back then. You see, I'm investing in Portland. I'm investing in Portland. Let's, you know, become, we, we became buddies. And, uh, so I've always been supportive of what they're doing. It's super, super awesome. So I've always tried to go to the events and help out wherever I can. And like, I've always been in different brokerages. I ran my own brokerage. Oh, I, wow. I started at a brokerage. I ran my own and then I moved to K-Dub mm. and, uh, I've been at K-Dub now four or five years, but I based, when I was running my own stuff, I based all my models off the K-Dub stuff anyway. Yeah. So the, the systems and, and like going through business coaching was huge and it really helped a lot of times I could maintain the same level of business and start to have a life. Cause I, I became single dad, teenage girl, like I need time at home with my daughter. Right. And, um, I can't work 70 hours a week and do like some, if you're doing that level of business in real estate, you're, you're gonna work 70, 80 hours a week. Oh yeah. You got it. Yeah. You mentioned that you kind of help people get their portfolio set up. What do you kind of often recommend for first time investors, first time landlords? How does that conversation go? Yeah. A lot of times, um, when I'm taking a, so it's very dependent if you already have a house and you want to be, you want to leave that house and, um, that comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to move up. What I, what I personally did is I moved up and I left my house as a rental and I tell them my story. I did my first rental. I really severely messed up. I, um, had a, I took an emotional connection to the tenant oh. and, the, and that tenant um, was all great for like almost a year. And then he stopped paying rent and he caused me huge eviction. And it was a, when I looked at all said and done and finally got him out of there, it was $25,000 loss oh my to God. me. It was huge. It was a massive loss. Can I ask, did you like background check? Yeah. Uh, stuff? Yeah. And he was honest about his background that was kind of shady yeah. and I was giving a second chance. Mm. And uh, that was a big lesson to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A $25,000 master's lesson in landlording. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say this about, because I've had plenty of mistakes, contractor mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, tenant mistakes. It's tuition, you know? Yeah. It's like, your master's degree. It's part, yeah, of, your, and, you know, part of your college. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things like you basically can't avoid it. I've, I've had bad tenants that pass everything with flying colors. Yeah. You know, yeah. great in person, great on paper, great credit score, good job. And then they trash the place. And or they uh, 
you know, they just stop paying yeah. for some reason or another, you know? So my, back to your question too, and my advice a lot of times is be purposeful. Um, that's actually the thing I was just talking about, like being single on purpose kind of thing. Um, being purposeful as a landlord is huge. I don't recommend taking your first house and turning it to a rental. You're emotionally connected to your house. Mm. And the first time you place somebody in there, they do not teach it, take care of it the same way that you will. So you're going to get butt hurt when you go there and see that the grass is like six feet tall and like they've drilled new holes in your wall or whatever, whatever it's going to be. Sure. Um, you're going to get a, you're going to get an emotional reaction when you go back and see your house that you put your heart and soul into mm. be treated quite bad. So I, that's a huge thing is that I, I do say be very purposeful and you also have to have a goal here. Like, do you want cash flow? Do you want equity? Do you want um, passive income? Do you want active income? The more specific you are, the better I can help. Mm. Um, and that's the first thing that I take somebody through the first time. Okay. Because you're a lot of times your goals, we just did a gold meeting last night at Gentleman's Center and mm. uh, one of our guys' goals are really wide, right? right. So we got to take it down to like, if you could just concentrate on one thing. Is this a new investor that has really wide goals? Like they want to make all the equity in the world and cash flow a ton uh, of money? I don't think it's all that new, but I think yeah. it might be new to the approach of the, uh, of the goal setting ways that at least the way that I've been taught to do it. And then I teach that as well. So yeah, it's yeah. Being purposeful is probably the biggest thing. Be purposeful. I like that. Yeah. With what you want. And then really sitting down, like for me being pur my purposeful story was that I want $500 per door of cash flow. <clears throat> uh, and I want 20 doors and I want $10,000 a month coming in <clears throat> of passive income, whether <clears throat> I work or not. And at that point I can retire. I see. And I that see. is my 10 year goal. Right. Right. And I'm like, that's kind of awesome. I'm like, it's, it's on the, it's on the, I see it right there. Right. right. It's, it's very easy it's for you to remember. Awesome. Very concrete. Yep. Yeah. And it's a very simple method. And what I didn't, uh, what I didn't, um, under, I didn't grasp when I did that is that your first door that made $500. Now you've raised your rent like several times. Yeah. Now that door is making you a thousand, 1500 mm -hmm. and it snowballs more and more. Right. So that's pretty, um, yeah. Can I ask you about your portfolio? Is it all single family or do you do multifamily? Yeah, I have all single families with additional units. So I got a lot of uh, SFRs with ADUs. Okay. Um, that's, um, and then I have some duplexes, but I don't have any large multifamily. Okay. okay. It's all single family. And the ADUs, have you built those, remodeled those or? All, all options. Okay. Yeah, I've bought some with them. Mm -hmm. um, I have one right across the river. Super awesome. I love that one. And I bought that with it. Um, and then I have added, I have a, I was a contractor before in the theater business. So I've added a couple, I've built a couple, mm -hmm. I'm building a couple right now. Nice. Um, and then as I have a lot of my properties, I look at higher and best use. So what's the yep. best way that I can make this, you know, the one that I'm in right now was a one, one, 500 square foot kind of junky house. And mm -hmm. I've taken that down and built two big houses and two ADU. So I got four units out of one. Nice. Uh, so y'all want to maximize the use of this, uh, the best use of that space. Well, and uh, in our area, as we know, Portland is is zoned things very favorably towards duplexes and ADUs or the combination of the two, right? So you're kind of taking advantage of the code and permitting. Because were you able to get a lot of the, your permits waived on the ADU work that you've done? Because I saw that they were doing that for a while. I don't know if that. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. Because um, you guys initially target like midterm rental type stuff and and short term rental stuff. So that I wanted to at least make that uh, bring that up. Is uh, as I'm building these ADUs, yes, they do waive your STCs. Oh, nice. Uh, for our listeners, what does that mean? Your system development charges. Okay. So that's what, your. What does that break down to about? Uh, ballpark. Ballpark is probably like 15 grand per unit. Okay. Um, for like a six to 800 square foot ADU. It almost doesn't matter. It's it doesn't all, matter. It just doesn't matter as long as you're submitting. Yeah. It's like a remodel it's permission for your sewer Perfect. lines okay. and, and yep. water lines and stuff. Is that Portland specific or is yes. that just, okay. Not, what about the rest of Oregon? Uh, rest of Oregon's a little, everyone's a little bit different, but okay. if you have a house already, you've already paid a lot of that development fees yeah. already. So that's what they do. So like on the example, one that I have, it had already been paid the development fees back in the fifties or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we got credit for that. And then I added three more. So I had to pay three more. And then with the ADUs, um, they were doing complete waiver of the permits for a while. Yeah. But what I've learned is that um, nothing's free, right? So it does come back on your property tax bill. Okay. Um, and uh, and now the new thing that I'm going, what I'm currently going through is that, yes, you can have your SDCs waived on your ADUs. 
in exchange for signing an addendum with the city of Portland that says you will not short-term rental. Right. Yeah. There's something about you need to, okay. Yeah. And if you do, but you can still do a midterm rental. You can, so you can do 30 day rental. So you can't even get a license for a short term Mm -hmm. in it. And if you, the penalty is one and a half times the current STC, which goes up every year. And you can't do a short term rental anyway, unless it's your primary, right? Or, or unless you have a controlling manager or something. Exactly. Yeah. You pretty much have to live on site. Yeah. It's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. That's why I went into the midterm. Well, that's part of this. That one's not even operating yet, but there's. So, so your strategy now, you're targeting midterms for your, both your ADUs and your main properties? Or? No, the single family. I'm a long-term buy and hold investor, right? So yeah, okay. most of my single family three twos are long-term rentals. Right. Now, the small units work really well for mm-hmm. the uh, midterms. Oh, okay. Okay. And what are you seeing in difference, like just rough numbers? Like if you, let's say you had a 600 square foot ADU compared renting it out as a long-term versus a midterm? Uh, well, I got a good, a good one. Um, two bed, one bath, like thousand square foot, same thing. Okay. I got two, two ones that are pretty similar, 750 to a thousand square feet, two different properties. Uh-huh. Um, one of them. So one's a top bottom duplex and then one's a side by side duplex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the top bottom's kind of like an SFR with an apartment. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think of that. I don't think of that one as a duplex, but the classic side by side you do. Right. In reality, it's a duplex. Yeah. Um, so I did do with both of those. I've always done long term, right? So I, I rented one of them over here on long term, and it the top bottom one, the bottom unit's always a little harder to rent. Mm-hmm. It was last year, well, two years ago, like fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred monthly. Now I don't pay any of the utilities. I don't have any of the furnishings, right, or any right. of that stuff. So I'm pulling fifteen, sixteen hundred on that. You're not paying for water. Is it split? Yeah, I bet all on a long-term tenant, all your all your utilities are going long-term tenant. At okay. least that's how I operate. I ha- I have a, a fourplex, and I have to pay for the water because it's all oh, one. Yeah, oh, if you only not, have one meter, it's not metered out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One meter, I just work it out between all the tenants, and I usually do a proration of size okay. or credit back. Like on that one, with some of the stuff, I do credit the main tenant back. Okay. The long-term tenant gets. Uh, it's a couple 150 bucks for utilities. Okay. I just look at the, you can oh, look at the, you can look at the average uh, billing for Northwest Natural and PGE. You look at their 12 month. Yeah, yeah. And then I say, well, if your space is one third of the square footage, I'll credit you back one third of the year's average. Wait. Yeah. And then I'll either work that on the rent or a cre- I'll throw it in a credit <laughs> or a software um, and just make it as simple. I don't want to deal with bills. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get that. Yep. Make things as simple as possible. And, uh, and yeah, so then the other one, I, I had the duplex and I rented, uh, I had a same similar number. I put that one up for 1500, uh, for long-term tenant and on that side. I remember that I was blown away at how many inquiries I got on that thing. Mm-hmm. This was about uh, right before Corona hit. So no, it was during Corona actually, um, like two years ago ish. And I put it on for like fifteen ninety five, and I got twenty five hundred inquiries on that thing. Holy it was cow. impossible wow. to keep track. Where was this? This is in Tiger. Okay, so I, it was so hard to keep track of it. That was a long term tenant. I, like the demand for a long term tenant in the sub two thousand range is insane. Yeah. So I get like twenty five hundred inquiries on that of like back and forth and people asking questions, and I just can't even keep track. And the apps come in, and I just look at the apps like, okay, qualified. Yeah. Um, and so they got placed long-term tenant. And then the other one also was a long-term tenant. That, um, the other one just didn't get as many inquiries because it was a top bottom. Yeah. So it wasn't as desirable of a unit. Um, two entirely different long-term tenants, both about the same price, about the same uh, $1,500, $1,600 range on two ones. Uh, one was a really great tenant. One needed to be evicted. Yeah. Uh, and was an ultra complainer. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, then I took the other side of that duplex and I'm like, I'm going to try this uh, furnished because I actually did do um, a short term. I, I, my first experience in the Airbnb world or short term world uh, was the build that I'm in right now. And that was a little one one. And I needed a creative way f- to cover my holding costs on that. Right. And while you were taking care of the permitting and yeah, I was, I never intended stuff. to occupy that. I bu- never 
bought that house to occupy it. I bought it to tear it, scrape it down, but I got in a divorce. Everything got thrown. Like I had to pivot and change my business really quick and I had money going out and I had to create money coming in. So I figured I did a quick rehab on it and I put it up on BNB as a short term nightly rental. And this was before some of the laws got enacted. Right. Yeah. And uh, I called that one the St. John special <laughs> and it was horrible. It, it wasn't great. And I put it up ultra cheap, like 50, 60 bucks a night. And uh, I got a lot of complaints. Well, because of the, how quickly you turned it over? <laughs> no, it was just not a good house and it was in a rough neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so that introduced me to the short term and like, I learned within about a year of that's absolutely not what I want to do. Yeah. I, that amount of like, um, Turnover and turnover yeah. and messaging and like mm-hmm. it's a full-time job yeah. and so but I experienced with the short-term side and I I see a hole in being a regular broker I see a hole in a market too like there's there's a need for uh, people working professionals that need to stay like more than 30 days like, corporate mm-hmm. housing yeah like when I go now houses. now one of my goals is getting um, to financial independence is to be able to take vacations longer. So I want to stay in a place for a month or more. Yeah. That's a, that's a good vacation to me. And I, I'd look for a place that I can just go park for a month. I bring my suitcase and go park for a month. So on the other side of that duplex, I put, uh, one side as, uh, I was like, I'm just going to furnish it and throw it up there and try it out. And I ran both of them for one year. And the long-term tenants were perfect, wonderful, great tenants, no issues really. And the short-term stayed pretty full. And it was mm. pulling like 22 to 26, 2800. Mm. Now I had utilities yep. yeah. and furnishings and other expenses. You know, we got to provide, you got to, you got to provide everything. You right. provide all the towels and the, we, we do paper towels and dish soap yep. and all that stuff. You have to keep the inventory. Managed. Yeah. So you got all these expenses. So you can't look at like 1500 versus 2500. Yeah. It's not an easy thousand dollar. And there's some work involved. Oh yeah. So the cost of turnover, the messaging. Yeah. This was, wait, you said this is a uh, midterm. Yeah, this was the the one that I did a side by side duplex. Yeah, I yeah, did a long term and a midterm. About, um, I think that was like twenty twenty. Okay. That I st- so it, gross receipts though about a thousand more expenses probably like next three hundred ish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. maybe so. Maybe you made about seven hundred more a and, month though. That's, and less yeah. Pass- still, less yeah, but I had vac- vacancy and stuff. What really told was my schedule ease at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so then I looked. Okay. Yeah, it actually did do better. Yeah. It wasn't phenomenally better. Um, but it was, it was, is the, I always say, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right. And, and it was, and it was also a different product that, um, I saw a need for like yep. people legitimately wanted this. Plus I get the house back more often. And right. if you need to stay there for a couple of days, I stay there. Yeah. Or you're like a buddy yeah. to stay there. For, yeah. When I got vacancies and whatever. Some, yeah. Somebody's coming in for, for Thanksgiving or whatever mm-hmm. and, and, uh, put them up for two, three days if something's empty, it created a flexibility and it was a, new or even like a client, you know, as a realtor, yeah. if a client, like, yeah, I, ra- I, I remember I raffled yeah. off at one of my client events. I raffled go, off a yeah. weekend at, at oh, one of my places. Right. Yeah. So a uh, quick, so, um, basically a question about this, obviously with, obviously with short-term rentals, it's really easy to just throw it on Airbnb, yeah. put like, maybe two days. Cause you don't want somebody to stay a day, throw a party and leave. Yeah. Um, what is your strategy for midterm? Like what, what do you do to get people in there? And well, the minimum booking is 30 days. So that's all you do. You just, yeah, do I don't take anybody under 30 days, even if it allows it, I don't do it. Okay. It's so, just not a plus. I mean, it's yeah. Against city law. Yeah. yeah. In Portland it is, but outside of Portland, it's right. You oh, can yeah. do anything you want. Um, so is that your strategy? Just Airbnb for no. 30 <laughs> days or, uh, well, yeah, 30 days is my minimum stay. Yep. So then it comes on to, um, in my landlord business and my regular buy and hold business, I'm using year long leasing, but it's also very common to do month to month. Yeah. Um, so I essentially take those 30 day stays as month to months. Mm. Um, and I did have like all your direct bookings. I, I put them on a month to month lease and I treat them just like a long term tenant. But the difference is that I'm they're simply showing up with a suitcase and I'm covering everything for them. Right. So it's all included in their rent, their, their Wi-Fi, their garbage their all their bills they just don't worry about it it's just like they just pay me you know one lump sum at the end of the month and i handle it in my business so yeah i make it uh, as easy as possible for them but yeah i will say on the bnb is i just had an experience where i was completely booted off of bnb oh really what, what was the situation there <laughs> i went i went took a 30-day vacation and i hired a new co-host 
before I left. As Corona happened, the, your business has to pivot and evolve. And uh, yep. I lost my regular awesome assistant for mm -hmm. several years and I had to go through like hiring different ones. And uh, I, 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 um, I basically, when I was gone, something happened mm. uh, in the duplex. And so the duplex that I had a long term and a short term, I, the, uh, the medium term, I, when the long term left, they became a client it was awesome. They, I helped they them go, house. they bought a house nice. Nice. and I had that unit back and I was like, Hey, that furnished thing is kind of cool. I'm going to do that over there too. Right. And it, it, like I, it, the juice was worth the squeeze. I want to see what it does now on two. Mm -hmm. And I could always go back to long term. If you yep. need to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I turned it to, they're both. So they're both mid like 30 day plus. Now they have vacancies. Like that's the thing about these 30 days is you can get like a month of vacancy right. or you can get three weeks of vacancy or something. And it's, it's kind of like today we were going over our bookings. We have like December 9th, 21st and like 18th or something like that. So, yeah. so, but what happened when I was gone, some issue happened between a guest who wasn't, and I had it all like, we have, we, I keep security cameras on the fronts of the houses just simply to know who's coming. Yep. Um, and to talk to them when they first enter the key code because uh, it's been a huge time sa time saver. But um, they had a part like they had a parking issue. It looked like from the security cams. It's like one person's parking, taking up the whole spot. Another person's bringing five cars. It's like it's this whole parking fiasco. I think it would have been just picking up the phone and solving, talking to each uh, tenant directly would have solved that. But instead, today's BNB BNB does not. Um, does not really advocate like personal interactions mm -hmm. with your tenants. Like everything runs through BNB, yep. and BNB is supposed to be the safety police, right? Well, uh, <laughs> pretty sure. So I escalated this up to BNB when I came back, and my account was suspended. Mm. And that was the first thing when I call them, and I'm like, "Hey, what's going on? Why is my account suspended?" Oh, we can't. We got to escalate it further to find out and stuff. Uh, so somebody claimed a safety. Somebody was felt unsafe. So mm. it became like a safety violation. And I look at the security cameras and I'm like, okay, it looks like a parking issue out front. And I see the two guests, like a younger guy and a little old lady, right? So, and they're like staring at it. I think the little old lady got scared uh, over some parking issues. And, and the co-host that I had hired, she, the message that I got, I was over in Europe and my phone was not, I was, I had lost my phone um, while I was traveling. So it was super fun. fun. I, get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really loved it. It was amazing. It was yeah. So good. Um, but she's like, uh, there was a problem at the duplex. Uh, don't worry. I handled it. Like, hmm. Okay, cool. But then I came back and it was empty. <laughs> <laughs> and then interesting way of handling it. And then it. I, come, I log into my account and it's suspended. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then I escalated up and, and the BNB doesn't even tell you it's, I call it the Spanish inquisition. They don't tell you what the thing is, what the complaint is. You got to figure it out. And, uh, yeah, so that was a big, like a big eye opener to me to have, um, how much control BNB has. They, they, just shut off everything. And, and you can't market it. I mean, do other platforms where you do, were you able to get bookings? Yeah, I got, platforms? yeah, I've been up on all the, all the other platforms. Yeah, but and pushing them very hard, but BMB is the giant. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Verbo, Furnish yeah, Finder. Verbo, Furnish Finder, um, Craigslist, even Facebook, Zillow, Zillow, all of them. Yeah. yeah. It's a range of people that come through, though. That's for sure. And now I've got a new assistant who's doing really, really good. And she's giving me updates every day on where people are coming from. We just had a conversation this morning. I called Craigslist the bottom of the barrel. Yep. <laughs> and she's like, I want to see like how many leads I get before I have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Right. So, um, so yeah, she's actually not really pushing Craigslist very yeah, much. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I feel like Craigslist died because I, yeah. well, I get yeah. most of my hits for my long-term rentals on Facebook marketplace. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Facebook and Zillow is long-term. Yeah, and I used to, yeah. I mean, it was just a couple years ago. I was getting all my hits off Craigslist. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what's going on there. It's, I think the tenant population has, is moving and I grew up as a tenant. So I always put myself in the mind of a tenant when I go long-term or short-term. Um, it's a conversation I have with my new assistant all the time too, is like, we are on the side of providing the housing, but you also have to think of the people that need the housing and, you know, what are they looking at? Yeah. And how do you, they know you're not, a, how they know you're safe? How do they know you're not a scammer? All this stuff. So, so you go to your profile, see your real yeah, person. See, like, your, okay. see your stuff. But, but yeah, it was a, it was a big lesson. I came back to, um, I have four of them and they're all empty. They were all empty and that was sucks with uh, November. All your property taxes are due. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I was like major underwater in, in November. So that is one thing I do advise to people who, who wanted to play this game too, is you need some cash reserves because mm. depending on if you escrow your taxes or not, like, some of my stuff's commercial and it doesn't right. escrow. escrow and, uh, yeah. 
And then you you got not only do you you have that big tax bill, but if you go for units empty, um, that's four mortgages that you're paying. Yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners, just just real quick, to escrow your taxes means that you just pay it every month with your mortgage statement. Um, and some some people either choose not to escrow their taxes or the lender won't allow them to. Yeah. Yeah. So you could have a huge, if you have multiple properties, you could have a big bill in Oregon. We pay taxes once in November, whereas some States you might pay twice or three times. Jordan. So quick question for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I always have my escrow paid every month through my mortgage. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the benefits of having it be paid at the end of the year? Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a couple minor benefits, right? You get a slight discount if you pay it all yourself ahead of time by a certain date. I can't, I can't remember the exact date, but you get like a, maybe a 3% discount if you do that, um, by yourself. And then of course, also there's the opportunity cost, right? So if you're a a savvy investor, um, you might be able to be making money on your, on, on your funds while they're sitting there waiting to pay taxes. I like having the control of having money in my account. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have fun? being surprised in November? Or? No, I, I, no, it's fine. I mean, I plan for it. I know it's all coming. It's just, it's an extra hard hit when you cut off. One is cutting all those checks. It's fine. You got to do it. But it also is extra hard hit when you got empty mortgages. It, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, prepaying taxes, right? If I mean, yeah. you guys are 1099 or you pay quarterly or whatever, but yeah. most people will pay every paycheck. And, and but some people will like, you know, change a little bit. So they pay more or less with every paycheck. But Personally, for me, I like to just have that taken care of so I don't have that big bill coming up. But Yeah, yeah. It's, it's part of it. I do notice in the midterm, so for sure, the vacancy is more, especially wintertime. Like right now, I, I'm seeing a lot of midterm hosts um, really pushing to get ten, to get full. Oh, I mean, I, it's the same with short term, too. My, like, my summer was completely booked. I mean, I was making good money, and now it's like... Oh my God, Crickets. can somebody please come in? <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, I stay in a lot of the short-term community because the short-term community has a, a good ear on the ground of that of that traveler. A lot of, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're affected, my midterm's way more affected than the long-term guy, right? Mm. So yeah, the, the, you definitely get, you get uh, some of the short-term problems like still follow into midterm. Yeah. Um, now I want to jump to your realtor business. Like I said, I, I met you at, you know, the rare bird investing yeah. event. Um, what is your clientele look like now? Like, do you do a lot of just first time home buyer, all the regular? I, I do a lot of, uh, people wanting to build rental portfolios. Okay. So yeah, you, you like to focus on that specifically. Yeah. Absolutely. Like obviously like, I know like there's repeat buyers. You're going to try to buy as many as possible. Is that yeah. why you like it? Yeah. I like the, uh, well, I like an ongoing relationship as well. Mm-hmm. And, and a certain level of trust and plus like a uh, fiduciary financial um, advisor type stuff. Like I meet financial advisors all the time and then they don't really understand real estate. And, yeah. and so I consider myself like financial advisor in real estate. And I, I do like some of my clients that have three, four houses in a couple of trans over the course of a decade now that we, maybe they've moved a couple of times or maybe they're building their portfolio. There's, mm. there's definitely a really good level of trust. And there's also, I really love like sitting down and brainstorming, like, how do we get you retired? How do we get you financially independent? Yeah. My, my dentist is freaking awesome. I, he is, uh, he, we set his goal a couple, couple of years ago to retire him out of daily working. Yeah. And, uh, I remind him while well, each transaction, sometimes we just, we, it, it, that's the coolest thing is watching him go from like, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars of cash flow, and I call him one day and like, "Hey, I'm tapped out. I'm not buying this deal. Uh, buy it." <laughs> and, there you go. And that's that's some of my repeat. And he's like, "All right, cool." Yeah, and right. he just texts me, like, <laughs> "You know, at first I t- say so you're not going to make any money the first year, not very much because it's under rented. You're buying it with low, lower price tenants, but you got to get them out and get to market rent." He goes, "Yeah, I think I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like he's going from like a couple hundred dollar to three hundred dollar cash flow, yeah. like fifteen hundred when he turned his tenants, mm. and he's like, oh man, yeah, that's awesome.' So, so, so is that is that a like with investors right now? Is that kind of what you're looking for? Homes that have tenants that are sort of under market, and you're just kind of advising to your clients like, hey. Um, I know the numbers don't pencil right now because it is hard to find something that pencils right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have to accept right now that your interest rates suck and yep. you're, it's going to eat into your cash flow. But when I go, I'm, I'm long-term guy usually. That's right. my gear. My mind mm-hmm. goes, and that's what the, that one client I was, I was talking about. He, he was at like, you know, 10% of goal. But last time we just reevaluated, he's like almost 30% of his goal. And he's got another unit to be filled right now. So that'll get 40% of goal. But that's very specific. He's basically kind of copying my model. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, Awesome. If you if you could target to earn a couple hundred dollars uh, per door per month, I think the last deal we got him was like six hundred per door per month per mu- per door per month right away. Wow. Okay. And so the rental pool is going down. The long term rental pool for sure is going down in Portland. Less and less people want to be landlords in Portland. So if you do and you could stomach it, you're going to be poised to do really well. I mean, that's what I we keep trying to tell people is like. People are afraid of the laws here. Yeah. People are, don't yeah. want to be landlords here. Yeah. What Absolutely. does fear breed opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I see it. I mean, I see a lot of newer, cl- I get referred a lot of clients that are landlords because I'm a landlord too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I understand what they're going through and they're just done. They, a lot of the guys that have retired already now have to go into like active learning the laws. Right. They don't want to go, oh, they don't want to yeah. relearn that. Yeah, <laughs> no, they don't want to. They're like, I'm out. Every time the city of Portland passes a new law, I'm out. Well, that rental inventory is not going back to be a rental inventory. And we're not building homes super fast here. No, that's <laughs> for sure. You no, know, it's just the, the city's policies are backfiring on them big time. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I see a lot of prop, like, rental properties sitting and mm-hmm. people are like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, like especially the, uh, what is it, the the forced relocation amount? Yeah, the, the force reload. That exited out. So every realtor you talk to will tell you how many I mean, landlords I, sold their properties. I, I, I don't know if I, I told you. I have a Vancouver property. I have a Troutdale property. I have a Beaverton property. I have Hillsboro. Okay. Uh, I might have another one, but nothing touches Portland or Multnomah yeah. County. Yeah. You know, it's rough. And like I just this morning, <laughs> I got that letter about the uh, Portland's uh, business tax. Oh, yeah. My te- one yeah. of my clients, my, yeah. one of my real estate clients got that. They're like, oh, give us your money. And then there's landlord registration. Like that's a. Oh, my uh, God. I can't. Yeah. The city is trying to like to put government control over private business and it never yeah. works in it. And like rent control only hurt the tenants. Mm-hmm. I was a big advocate of no rent control. All the bad landlords are out of business now. Yeah. You, you basically have the companies left Blackstone and home partners own 500 properties in Portland. Yep. More than that. And that's the silent big giant that is definitely raising 14.3% this year across the board to everything. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, you didn't do that to a tenant before. A good tenant was most of the time they'd be like 50 bucks, maybe a hundred dollars. You treat the house good, you're a good tenant. I don't want to raise the rent on you, Mm -hmm. but rent control forced us in. And then you go, and then all the time you get clients that want to sell a property and they can't with a tenant in control. It's like, and if it's under rented, that just hurt their value big time. It falls into a commercial space, but these guys aren't operating like a commercial loan. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. It's it's a little scary. So, uh, Back to your realtor business specifically, like, do you have any pros and cons of working with like investor clients? Because I have some. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely <laughs> pros and cons. <laughs> yes. uh, I'd say the pro is repetitive business. The con is no loyalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely one too. Yeah, and uh, some of them have analysis paralysis too. Like first time mm-hmm. investor clients, they have that like. Oh yeah, running the numbers. Oh, it has to cash. I need the ARV to e- equal exactly eighty percent of this deal. Well, it just doesn't happen in Portland. Yeah, you have to create the deal, which is who says that big bigger pockets guy says that all. Yeah, what I say this is a real estate investing is half numbers and half art. Yeah, it's an artwork, and and you need to be creative. And like I come from a construction, and the reason I get good equity is I go in and I, I'm, I do a lot of stuff that other people aren't going to do. I've cleaned up so much tenant. I call myself professional land garbage man sometimes. Like I have bought a lot of properties that are just. You do the things that somebody else doesn't want to do, and that's where you have to make the deal. And also, you gotta you gotta do it. That's another thing I tell a lot of my first time. Like, don't hire somebody twelve thousand dollars to clean up the trash. In that's the house. money for another down payment somewhere else. Yeah, that's go work for three weekends and hire your buddies and bribe them however you need and fill some dumpsters. You can do that when you get to scale. Like that <laughs> makes sense. But like yes. in your first deal, it's like yeah. okay, like. Your first deal. When you're chipping Joanna Gaines, you can do that. But when yeah. you're yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go yeah. go go get the chop saw and go put in your own trim and paint some walls and stuff like that. Nah, Save yeah. yourself some of that money, you know. Some of the stuff, yes. Like there's Easy a certain stuff. point. I mean, like yeah. I said, you're not but like handy. clean cleaning up garbage is huge. And that if you just pay somebody to do that because you don't want to touch it, 
yeah, there's 10 grand a year. I'll, I'll say something that's... Go buy some REITs. Yeah. yeah. You know what's really fun is uh, demo. Demo is my favorite thing. Super fun. It's yeah. the cheapest... It, it, what, is, what do you usually pay for that? Like, I don't. I usually I don't. do it. I, I just do it myself. I, yeah. I did it with uh, Tony. You know? Yeah. yeah. Demo is super fun. You can yeah. have a demo party. Yeah, we had a demo party. Oh, Jordan was there. Yeah. And we demoed it's a fun. whole kitchen and uh, and we ordered a dump, you know, a big dumpster. And I think that well, obviously that costs money, but if I paid some dude to do it, I yeah. think that's like what honestly ten, like, grand. 10 grand, yeah, easy. My favorite demo is my assistant bringing her kids, like and giving the kids safety goggles and hammers and letting them start hammering on the fireplace and the bricks and stuff. Oh yeah, it was yeah, super fun. It was. So. It's like a, I try to incorporate like family affairs, my family and friends, and demo is the most fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a great. So yeah, that's why, I, like I said, with first time investors, like I don't want to do anything and I also want to make money. And I'm just like, so go is, demo. This is kind of why I'm like. Oh. Yeah. Maybe I should move yeah. away from investors. And, and with a lot of my clients, like I will, I will show up and help them demo if they're like a little scared to take out a chunk of sheetrock or something. I, yeah. I got a, I got a foo bar, and mm. I show them oh, that. I and like, <laughs> I'm like, here, let's tell you how. And uh, and then I'll also take you. A lot of times, I'll go to Home Depot with you, and not that I'm going to do that with everybody, but yeah, I take some of them to Home Depot. Be like, here's a sheet of sheetrock. It's twelve bucks. It's a lot of labor, and there's mudding and taping and all that stuff, and you don't want to do sheetrock, but just to know, like, you demo it and take it out. It's not. It's so easy to put in. You just got to have a good grasp. I'm just very hands-on on a lot of my projects. So yeah, yeah. And if you're doing drywall and it's behind cabinets or whatever, so just do it. Just screw it and yeah. hit it in some walls and do some bad taping. And like, if it's going to get covered up with tile and <laughs> cabinets, just do it. Like, why not? Well, there's just good – the sweat equity is a good way to earn money and then also – To start. Like, yeah, and then doing things that others uh, shy away from, right? And I mean my first purposeful rental was uh, – was a pot operation before pot was legal, mm -hmm. and uh, and and uh, it was a devil worshiper and some pot growers, and um, and I had a two year lease, and I had to have them for two years. I didn't really ever get to see that house until they moved out. Wow! Oh boy! <laughs> and I bought it on Silicon Valley, so that was also awesome. pretty awesome. So it was my first purposeful one. But yeah. Nice. So yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to ask if, like, obviously, you work with a lot of you know, new investors, et cetera. If you're talking to a brand new investor, what, what would you tell them to, how, how would they get started? In this? Man. So you gotta, I think you gotta go with what is your goal? Like if you're investing, are you wanting to flip this house? Then, then you need to go in it with a flip mindset. Cause that, that determines the number one thing also is like, try to teach it, take it as a business. When you get emotionally involved in a project, that will mess with your decision making because you're going to have to make a thousand decisions through this process. If you have either a mentor that'll help you watching somebody else do it, like latching on to somebody else doing a project is huge. Yeah. Go offer to work for work with them or work on their, just show up. If you, if you, if somebody came to me and said, I'll just show up at your job site and actually tell you that like your appliance is delivered or meet some guy at eight o'clock to unlock the door mm -hmm. to show up. Like that is huge amount of, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, apprenticeship or something like that. Like that's what I would say. New guys need to be willing to get their hands dirty, be willing mm -hmm. to be creative on what kind of, cause right now it's going to be hard to find a deal. There's incredible opportunity though. I think that they're, the, the buying season's really, really good, Yeah, but you have to be able to stomach. You're going to buy somebody else's problem and mm. you have to be able to to stomach what that is. Well, I mean, as realtors, this is the opportunity to buy because yeah, the interest rates are high, but you make most of your money on the price point. And we're getting lower price points right now. Yeah. And also go back to your model. Like if you're flipping, you're in and out and you care what the ARV is. If you're holding, if you're a buy and hold investor and you're you're holding this thing for 20 years, you just get away from what's it worth after you're done. Like that's completely irrelevant unless you're doing a burr. If you're doing a burr and trying to get your capital back right away, you want to know what your ARV is. But I also say take that and like you can do a refi at any time. You don't need to put yourself on like, yeah, I need to do it right in six months and get right into the next one. Yeah. Um, so you got to get a, a hard money loan. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a hard money six month term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had, yeah. Yeah. That's no, a 12 month term, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, I put as much of your own skin in the game and as much of your own work in the game as possible. Uh, yeah. That's, that's where it's really, it's going to set you apart from somebody who doesn't touch it and doesn't use their own money. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Jordan? Oh, uh, no. I mean, just if, if someone wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of you, kind of get some advice, meet up with you, where, where do people find you? 
uh, on my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, how, how can Inst- they get in contact? Instagram. Oh, uh, show up at one of my job sites. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> like, come right. and help me. Yeah. Please demo a kitchen for me. Yeah, show up with <laughs> a truck and a hefty sack, yeah. and uh, and uh, and you'll, like, I'll mentor you. <laughs> right? But uh, I have Instagram and I have Facebook. Um, I think my Instagram's the Justin Green 007, I think, or Justin Green PDX. I can't remember what my Instagram is. Okay. I'm not like, I do social media, but I'm not. I'm also at this point of, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable enough in my own career and my own path that I don't, I'm not trying to be like a social media giant anymore. Plus, uh, being traveling and getting away from the phone has been a big, mm. but, but yeah, to get a hold of me is like texting or, DMing me, I, I'm totally fine on DMs and Facebook uh, messengers and Instagram DMs and okay. text messages. Texting works really good because oftentimes my phone's ringing nonstop uh, phone calls. Do you want to give a number so people can text you in case uh, they're savvy investors? Or Sure, I guess. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's 503-869-8276. That's my direct, yeah, my direct line. Uh, a text, and I'm happy to talk to Um that's fine. This yeah. is not spam, Justin. So yeah. yeah, don't try to sell me like a timeshare or something. <laughs> or <anything>. I, yes. <laughs> I don't think that's what our audience is doing. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I don't think so. Okay, this is great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks so much. Pretty, pretty cool. So thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So. really All appreciate right. it. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.